Well, Luke chapter 2, I want to draw your attention to verses 10 and 11. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Most of us think of angels. We think of these nice winged people flying around kind of over you know, clouds and wishing everybody playing harps, wishing all kinds of good things. In the Bible, typically, the angels are the warrior messengers of God. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the title of our message, taking it from uh, verse 10, is Great Joy for All People. You know, there's not too many things in life that include all people, is there? There's always some reason why people are excluded, but verse 10 makes the claim that Christmas does include all people, that Christmas is for all people. It's, it's obvious uh, that many people are afraid, though, this Christmas, like these shepherds were this time. They were afraid. A lot of people are afraid this Christmas. A lot of people, years gone by, were dreaming of a white Christmas. This year, for many, it's a nightmare Christmas. And yet, at the end of verse 10, the angel is clear, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So that begs the question, is it possible in this year to have great joy? Is it possible? And... How can we know that we are included in all people? Well, let's deal with all people first. Two things, great joy, all people. Let's deal with all people first. Uh, Luke, Dr. Luke, writer of the Gospel of Luke, also writer of the book of Acts, is a skillful writer, and interesting the way he moves us through this passage. He, He moves us through a progression of people from what some might say, not God, what some might say is from the most important person to the least. Let's go back to verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Who's he? He's the emperor. He is the top dog. That all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing in Syria. Who's he? He's he's the local governor. And in those days, the local governor was the local ruler. I think perhaps more than ever this year, we are much more in tune with what the governor says, aren't we? And uh, much more aware of him. Usually before, in in our state, New Jersey, if you're watching online, in New Jersey, it kind of works like this. We elect a Democrat usually serves for two terms. We get tired of them, and then we elect a Republican. (laughs) Serve for two terms, we get tired of that guy, then we elect that. Primarily, we're a Democratic state, but governor, for some reason, we we do tend to alternate with that. Verse 3, 
So all went to be registered. You're like, what in the world is that? It's a census. It's a census. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So what happened is to be registered, you had to travel back to your family city of origin. Isn't that interesting? Our government was begging us to travel to the mailbox with our census reports. But these people had to travel to where they were from. I hate to say this, but maybe it's a little bit easier in the United States than we think. I know I digress for a moment, but we, we do have some things that other people just, just don't have. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. And so here we have a poor man from a poor city into Judea, quite a long journey, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So to these people, that would be King David, to these people, their lineage, their ancestry was very, very important. But David lived a thousand years before Joseph, so it's not like that was really worth much of a claim. I mean, how many people have you met? They said, I'm related to one of the people who came in on the Mayflower. I was like, okay, great. Here, here's my 401k, man. You can have it. That must mean something. No, no, no. So, so nobody would give this guy a second look poor carpenter from a poor city. And they have to go travel for the census. To, to the rest of the world, Mary and Joseph would be essentially invisible. Do you ever feel like you're invisible? Do you ever feel like anybody doesn't even know you exist? Let me tell you how, one I think I know you feel exists. You ever go to the card store? And you're looking at the cards, and the row's a little crowded, and someone wants to get by. And you step back from the card rack, and you go, here, go ahead, go ahead. And they keep walking, and they stop right in front of you. (laughs) And you're like, I was looking at the cards. You don't say that, but you're invisible to them. You're completely invisible. Now, some of you, did you ever uh, wish you were invisible? Yeah, yeah. Yes, if you've ever had the experience of being a young mom, you know what that's all about. You're like, just give me five minutes to be invisible. You know, I remember coming home from, you know, work, and Pam would be like, "They're your kids. <laughs> they are. They're yours." I just want to go be invisible for a few minutes, just to get my bearings. So, verse five says, "To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child." So, being a woman and being in that culture, she would be even more overlooked than Joseph, yet the baby that would be born to this poor and insignificant couple, insignificant but not in God's eyes, is Jesus. Emmanuel, which the scripture tells us means God with us. Isn't that interesting? Whenever you hear that song, just, you know, you say to someone who's with you, if they don't know, say, do you know what that name Emmanuel means? It means God with us. The Christmas child. 
also known as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Talk about carrying precious cargo. Verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, means it's time to have the baby, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. That's a nice way of saying a feeding trough where a bunch of animals live. Because there was no room for them in the inn. The idea there seems to be that the world had no room for Jesus despite the fact that he came for all people. Now, we know this situation probably wouldn't be that uncommon today. Did you ever try to check into a hotel back before there was all this online stuff and you go to a place and they like, oh, we don't have any rooms. And, you know, it's like pouring and you're like, thanks for putting out the no vacancy sign. Uh, and they didn't. And, and you're like, do you know where anywhere to stay? No, I don't know anything. It's like just people can be so rude. And, and you, you could walk in with a pregnant woman and like, look at her, look at her. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Even so, as the years go by, very few people have room for Jesus from the greatest to the least in this world. And Luke's moved us from the, you know, the emperor all the way to this poor couple who can't even get a room at an inn. And, but many people or most people don't have room for Jesus They didn't want Jesus then, and and certainly people don't want him now. They're okay with, you know, what we're doing right now. They're just like, just keep your faith in your church, though. Don't don't tell anybody about it. But we're going to tell you all about what we believe, but don't tell us about what you think. And they really hate the fact that Jesus claimed to be the only way to get to God, that he claimed to be the only way to have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven with God. They hated it in his day, too, and he just said, well, you know, he paralyzed man's on the ground, and Jesus says, well, you know, your sins are forgiven. Like, oh, can you believe it? Nobody can forgive sins but God. Jesus says, well, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? Now, on the one hand, it is easier to say your sins are forgiven, although you can't do it. So Jesus says, okay, watch this. He's pick up your mat and walk. You know, all the miracles that Jesus did, Jesus rising from the dead, you know, he wants to show us that he is who he says he is. And even those of us who say they, we believe or they believe, a lot of people, uh, if we are honest, have to admit that, that we're like the inn itself. We're pretty overcrowded, aren't we? And our, and, our, and our minds and our hearts and our busy lives can be so incredibly overcrowded. And we may say Jesus is the reason for the season. We may say Jesus is the greatest gift ever. But in reality, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm speaking just for myself, but, but in reality, if we're honest, we're probably more like the innkeeper than we care to think or even imagine. Things come our way, we may even know they're from God, and we're like, sorry, no room. No room at the inn. 
schedule's too busy, God. I'm, I'm sorry, I have no time for such things. And God's maybe like, well, maybe you need to give up this or, or give up that. You know, we, we, we want to shake the innkeeper and go, what about your room? Then we come to verse 8. Now, when they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, most scholars think, some will debate it, but, but shepherds were, were largely regarded as dirty lowlifes. It was, it was not clean work. You could just imagine you're living out in a field. I mean, it's disgusting enough. You people, you know, when they camp for a couple of weeks, they're like, yeah, just a shower. I just want to shower. You're hungry? No, I just want to shower. And, and many of them were thought to be liars and thieves. So now we're going even further down the social ladder, aren't we? We thought that it ended with Mary and Joseph being these poor people, no room for them at the end. But now we're, we're, really, we're really going down low. Verse 9 says, and behold, remember whenever it says behold in the Bible, take note, it's important, look, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Remember we said that there are often warriors in the Bible, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, I bet you that's even more scary than an angel, and they were greatly afraid. I bet they were. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Literally, stop being afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings or, or good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Translation, I'm not here to kill you. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and so this is the choir of angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Just a side note, don't count this against my time. If any of you were wondering, hmm, what could I get Pastor Jim for Christmas? This is what I ask for. People are like, what do you get the guy who has everything or who's impossible to buy for? This is what I want for Christmas. I want peace. I want on earth peace, goodwill towards men. I don't think they sell it on Amazon. So we read this, all of this, and we go like, I know, I know, I get it. I get it. No room at the inn. Got to have room in your heart for Jesus. The angels came. I get it. Low lives, you know, like, like some of us, you know, might be. I get it. Now, someone in the first century would react a bit differently. They, they might say something like, um, an angel came to shepherds, and they lived? Or an angel came to shepherds, they would be like, are you kidding? You see, they probably would say this is either one of the biggest lies in all history 
or the gospel, the good news of God becoming a man, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for the sins of people, so whoever put their trust in him would have his credit life, his perfect life credited to them and their sins paid for by him on the cross, they would have to say, if this is true, if God, if angels appeared to these shepherds, these lowlifes, then the good news is for all people. Then God become a man is for all people. I mean, just think about it. Just think, think about the way our society works. You would think that if God wanted to really get the word out, that, that he would have the angels go to the emperor or, or to the governor or at least to the innkeeper. Sorry, got to make room. God's coming. Not at all. Now, you might say, well, Mary and Joseph were visited by an angel. That's true. But these guys get a whole concert. And so do we. Because the angels come and they are singing that, that God has come for all people. And they come announcing great joy. Now, joy is not happiness. They're, they're different things. Happiness is primarily an emotion based upon circumstances. That's not what joy is. Joy is, is not an emotion based on circumstances. Joy is, um, it's not an easy word to define. I guess I would say that joy is something based on the presence and work of God in your life. Something that most of us would have to say that we tremendously need right now. Although I've noticed that it's easy to see when I'm listening for the angels singing. <laughs> the angels say, verse 10, I, I bring you great joy. I bring it to you and I bring it to all people. But this, this is not just news. It's not just joy. It's the announcement of a person. See, Jesus himself is the good news. He, he is the, the joy of God. And verse 11 says that, that this baby is a savior who is Christ the Lord. We might say, or they might say, that the angels were singing that the Messiah who is the Lord. We might say the savior who is God. Now, this is not so easy for us to understand how radical this claim may have been to people in that culture. Many people throughout the Roman Empire thought that Caesar Augustus was the Savior. He was considered by many, the emperor, to be the Savior. And I think it's so incredibly sad that so many people and in some ways it could be on both sides of the aisle, want and expect the ever-changing, inconsistent, unreliable, 
often very corrupt government to be our Savior. Live long enough and you will not be surprised anymore. Yet, the angels sing about what God our Savior offers to all of us. Again, that difficult word to define joy. So I like to look up words in the dictionary. I always tell people, if you're reading a book now, people, we have Google, it makes it a little faster. The problem with Google is it leads you to search other things, and so you've got to be careful. But back before Google, in the Stone Age, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, you young people, when I was born, I used to tell people, never, ever, ever read a book without a dictionary right next to you. Because you got to know what words mean, and that's the way you build your vocabulary. Even though when you talk to people, it's easier to use a simple vocabulary. So a lot of times, I'll think of a word, and I'll think, I need a word to substitute for that. So people are like, what does that mean? What does that word mean? So I looked up joy in the dictionary, and it says that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And that is an awesome definition, except when I don't feel it. <laughs> I'm thinking that is not biblical joy. In other words, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, if that's what joy is, I could not be more depressed. Because if I'm, if I'm banking on pleasure and happiness, then if the angels come to me with that song, I'm be like, I don't want to hear that song. I don't want to hear it. Dare I say that the 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 dictionary's definition of joy may, may be perhaps the most joyless definition I've ever heard in my life. So maybe we could see a, a couple of pictures or portraits of joy, just briefly. Let's start with the angels. They're pretty happy, aren't they? They seem like a happy group. It's, 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 not their, it's not their, see, to them it's not a job. It's great not to have a job. It's really great. I don't mean un, to be unemployed, but it's really great not to have a job. Just like you just love what you do. Or somehow God helps you to love what you do. That's really a bigger thing. I, I found in my own life when I really grew tired of something, and I was like, Lord, get me out of here, or at least help me love the thing. That when he helped me love it is when he moved me. <laughs> it's like, we were waiting on you, Jim. You weren't waiting on me. So let's, let's think of one thing that maybe, maybe you brought joy to the angels. Luke 15, 10 says, likewise, Jesus says, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels, of the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. Is that you? Have you repented? What does it mean to repent? It means have you turned to God? Jesus said you need to repent and believe. You turn to God and put your trust in him. Is that you? If that's you, listen, the angels love you. They're like, dude, the day you repented, this place was rocking, man. 
We were partying up a storm up here. You were all, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. We're like, yeah. We were full of joy. We were partying, man. How about the shepherds? You know, they, they, listen, can I just state the obvious? They actually believed that the joy of Christmas was for them. Do you? Don't answer me. Don't answer me. This is one that this is one you got to answer upward. They actually believed that the joy of Christmas was for them. Look at verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, "Let us now go to Bethlehem." So they hear this great news, they're all jacked up, and they're going to actually do something with it. So they're going to go to Bethlehem. Not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, but they're going to go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They weren't like, all right, you have to go to church. Here we go. You have to serve the Lord. Lucky me. No, man, they're just going to worship, man. Verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept, or some things say, verses say, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So the shepherds hear the news, and what's the first response? Let's go to Bethlehem, man. Let's go. Let's go. Now, let's think about this for a second. If Jesus was born... In Caesar's palace, and I don't mean the casino in Las Vegas. If Jesus was born in Caesar's palace, what would have happened if a bunch of shepherds decided to come as they were here to see the king that was born? I don't think so. We tell you once to leave, and the next time we shoot you with bow and arrows. That's basically it. We put a spear through your heart or something like that. No, they would have never got in. Let's say that Jesus had been born at the governor's mansion. What would have happened then? Oh, come in for our cheesy, our cheesy governor mansion tour. That's about the best they would have got. They would have never got to see him. What if Jesus had been born at the inn? No vacancy. Shut it in their face like the Wizard of Oz. Get out of here. You see, the innkeeper or the people at the inn would have sent them on their way. For us, in a year when travel to see loved ones has been compromised in many ways, the loneliness that many of us have experienced this year, it's important to remember that Jesus 
came to us. Jesus came to you. And he came to you with tidings of great joy. You see, the accessibility of Jesus, the incredible accessibility of Jesus for all people is cause for great joy. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Bethlehem calls you to come. We'll talk more about that on Christmas Eve Eve. Bethlehem, get all those pictures out of your head, is like any other town, filled with pain and suffering, people living day to day, and yet, this day, the king calls all to come. From emperors to governors to innkeepers to lowly shepherds to a poor carpenter and a young mom to even further along rich wise men, the Christ of Christmas is for all. which means that he is for you. Which means that his joy is for you. Whether you feel it or not, maybe you need to listen to see if you hear the angels singing. So, in the midst of trying to have a Stressful Christmas. I'm sorry, did I say stressful? I meant merry. In the midst of trying to have a merry Christmas, how in the world do we find this great joy? How? Like, it's great. It's all a bunch of theory, man. How do we do it? There's a couple simple things here. I'm not saying they're the only ways, but a couple simple things here. Whoa. What did the angels do? They sang. They found joy in singing. Found joy in singing. That's one thing that American churches need to really improve on. Singing. It's easy to watch the talented people on the stage. Oh, they're great. They're talented. That's great. That's, you're like, are you sure that we're supposed to sing? Watch the sermon. The Wednesday after New Year's, okay? Also, how else do we find this great joy? Is there, is there more besides singing? Uh, verse 17 says, They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. What, what, did, they, what did they do? They talked about Jesus. They just talked about him. Not what they were doing for the Lord. Not what their plans were. Not anything. They just 
talked about Jesus. Now, if you have no one to talk to Jesus about, talk to Jesus about Jesus. But when is the last time you talked about Jesus? I don't know whether it was... Now she's going to be like, why you don't remember? It was last night or the night before. Pam said to me, I want to share something I read with you this morning. And, and she read something to me at the dinner table about Jesus. We were just talking about Jesus. Just talk to people about Jesus. Talk with one another about Jesus. People will ask you, did you have a nice Christmas? Did you have a nice holiday? Now, it's possible to have a nice Christmas and a nice holiday without Jesus. It actually is. Let's be real. Let's not be like, well, you know, you can't have a nice Christmas without Jesus. But God's joy is inseparable from Jesus. You, you, that you, you have to have Jesus for if you want God's joy. Joy is grounded in God. Joy characterizes or should characterize the Christian life. And let's always remember this with one another. Joy is contagious, but unfortunately, so is joylessness. If you're not joyful, that is contagious as well. So talk about Jesus. Sing about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Verse 18 says, and all those who heard it marveled. So the people who heard from these shepherds, they heard about Jesus, and their souls were filled with joy. This is why we talk about Jesus. You say, how, how, how do I talk to Jesus with someone who doesn't understand anything about him? Ask them what they think. And then say, oh, can I quickly explain to you about him? You see, and this is something I'm constantly asking God for me and for all of you. There, there, there's a song on Matt Redman's album that he came out with at the beginning of the year. It's a live album, so I don't know how long this old it's been around, but he has a song that he sings about gathering as a church, God's people gathering, and, it, and it's called... Let there be wonder. And he says, it, it goes just something like this. Let there, let there be wonder in this place. Let there be worship in this place. You know, this year, we, with our grandson, who's not quite three, and it'll be even more so next year, but... We, we get to experience something that's not easy to experience unless you, you know, it's, it's easier with little ones, but it's often for the wrong reasons. But it's wonderful to watch a child and the wonder they have of Christmas. You know, all the gifts and stuff like that. But, but, but like a child, these shepherds had the wonder of Christmas. You could say they found it, or you could say it found them. I mean, it was, the, notice the, it, the initiation is from God. He sends the angels to them, they respond, and then they go and they find it. And they have the wonder of 
Christmas. They, they found it or it was found by them and then they shared it with others. Another thing interesting in this passage, did you notice that, that nobody is ever alone? Nobody's ever alone. Everybody that's here is, is together with someone and, and God's joy is a shared joy. This year has made me miss many things. But I got to tell you, when we were just all locked down and only doing church online, and this room was empty, and I was just talking to an empty room with a couple guys in the sound booth. It took a piece of my heart every time. I couldn't wait to get out of this room. I couldn't wait to leave. It was, it was, ugh. And here's the thing, and I want to talk to my online friends. I understand why many of you are at home. And trust me, we're working on a lot of things. A lot of you are home because you're thinking, well, I can't bring my kids. They don't, listen, they don't disturb me at all. You know, the snoring people over here, they're disturbing me right now. But no, it's not my, <laughs> they don't disturb me at all. And I know a lot of you have, are sick, and some of you are sick, and you're here. I, I, I understand that. But, and I know some of you feel what I'm about to say. With Sunday mornings, with so many of you home, or even the fact that we don't get to really do what we normally did. Like, to me, the favorite part of Sunday was for me being out in the hallway watching how much you love one another. I'm going to tell you, man, it's breaking my heart. It's absolutely breaking my heart in two. Why? Because Jesus is a shared joy. It's not just about you and your personal relationship with Jesus. That's part of it. That's important. But Jesus is a shared joy. He is to be shared with one another. So we sing, we, we talk about Jesus, we share Jesus with one another. Verse 19, it says that Mary pondered. This is so key and such a lost art. What did she do? She stopped and she thought deeply. She was young, but she thought deeply about what was going on. And the Lord, maybe she didn't realize it all at the time, but the Lord let her store the wonder and joy in her heart. You know, when you ponder, when you think deeply about God, he will allow you to store wonder in your heart. And you will be amazed how handy someday, who knows when, that wonder will be for you. Either in a circumstance or in a conversation. 
You see, lots of things amaze us. Oh, that was amazing. That was, am- oh, that was amazing. But we forget right away. But those things we treasure in our hearts stay with us. They fill our minds. They fill our hearts. And I believe they will for all eternity. And so verse 20 says, after that, it says, then the shepherds returned. They went what they do? They went back to everyday life. They went back to work, glorifying and praising God. Let me ask you, is that how you go to work? Is that how you go to work? They're going to work, man. They're, they're, just, gonna, they're just going, glorifying and praising God. Did you know that Jesus wants you to have a joy-filled Christmas 12 months a year, 365 days, You know, once again, he, they, the angel said, I, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You say, I, but there's so many things that have happened. How could I be filled with great joy? You know, when the woman went to look for Jesus and they found the empty tomb, they must have been like, did he rise from the dead? Did somebody steal his body? But what are we told? That they were filled with great joy. Jesus ascended into heaven. Just imagine what that was like for the apostles. You're like, oh, well, Jesus told me up a room. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. They had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> we do. They're like, what's he talking about? I don't know. Thomas asked him. <laughs> but, but Jesus ascends into heaven. He is no more with them. And it says that they went back to Jerusalem with great joy. There is great joy in the good news of Jesus Christ for all those who have put their trust in him. There is great joy in receiving the good news. There is great joy in believing the good news and trusting the good news. There is great, there is great joy in joyfully living out the good news. And there is great joy in knowing that you are part of heaven's all people. So this week, let's try to focus on the presence of Jesus and let his joy and his perfect peace guard our hearts. The joy of Jesus, friend, is for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, will you today receive the King into your heart as your Savior? Will you put your trust in him And the scripture says, when you do, when you confess your sins to him, when you tell him you're sorry for your unbelief, when you say, Lord, I'm willing to turn from my sins, but I need your help. And I'm going to put my trust in Jesus instead of myself. The scripture tells us that the spirit of Christ will come into your heart. That's available to you today because it's available for all people. And if you are a follower of Jesus... Will you say today that I'm going to treasure him in my heart? That I'm going to to constantly be aware of it. Maybe I'm going to put it on my dashboard or maybe I'm going to put it on my mirror or somewhere that I'm going to treasure Jesus in my heart. Will you talk about the great blessings of Jesus? Will you sing about the great blessings of Jesus?
Will you marvel? Will you wonder? Will you maybe reach out to somebody else to remind them of the good news or tell them the good news for the first time? Will you glorify God? Will you praise Him? Over the years, I've heard a lot of Christmas sermons. I've given a lot of Christmas sermons. But to me, I have never heard one better than this one that goes like this. Luke 2, 10 through 11, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Merry Christmas. You are loved. Let's pray. Let's all stand and pray.